0: We're in a series right now called Marching Orders, and somebody told me, man, Pastor Bob, this series is kind of an in-your-face kind of series, and you know what I've learned? You're right, but that's kind of how Jesus is, isn't he? He's always kind of in your face. There's no gray areas. It's pretty black and white, and that's what we're doing, but what we're doing right now and as we're preparing, you know what? We're preparing for what we're seeing right now. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not something that is down the road. It's happening right now. I don't know if you've been paying attention in the news recently, but there are teachers on the East Coast who are trying to be silenced because they are speaking out against some of those things that don't teach the truth about who Jesus is and a Christian worldview. Right now, there are teachers that are being silenced and people are trying to continue that. And remember last week we talked about, you know, the stage that we're at and right now, you know, you know right now I'm praying for that Supreme Court that they will continue to keep us on this path. I just wanna be able to do what God has called me to do and that is to teach the word. But I want you to also understand, no matter what America or what the laws say, I'm gonna to continue to do that because that's what God has called me to do and that's what you would want us to do, right? now because of that as we're going through this there's some things that we've noticed about our church that we're working on and one of them is we're this close to hiring a youth pastor i'm really excited about that okay but also in addition to that two weeks from today is kairos sunday the word kairos means it's a moment in time and what we're going to do it's our moment in time where we're going to try and we're going to try and raise five hundred thousand dollars Now, I know that, by the way, some of you look at me in first service thinking, that boy's been smoking something, okay? But I want you to understand, I'm just stepping out in faith and I'm believing God. You see, what we're doing is we are coming alongside of parents and we wanna help them in a way like we've never done before, help them to teach their children a Christian worldview. And the reason we're going after the children is because, you know what? The majority of people who ever come to know Jesus Christ come to know him as a child, and the other thing is that children are more apt to invite somebody than adults. And so we want our kids to know not only why, what they believe, but why they believe it. And then we want to come alongside of the parents through all different kinds of new ways and create an experience for their kids to where they will want to come and learn about Jesus. Also, invite their friends, but most important, when they're in school. And the teacher says, how many of you believe that there is a God, that they're the ones who are raising their hand, and then they can tell me, tell them, and let me tell you why I believe that. All right, now, in our series right now, where we're at, something kind of different happens here. The Lord Jesus kind of takes a breath. He kind of takes a pause. And I think it's a pause that's needed. You know why? because as Jesus is looking around at his disciples, and he's just given them some pretty strict marching order. Remember what he said? He goes, I'm sending you out. He said, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. I don't want you to take anything with you. You're going to do some amazing things. I'm going to work through you, but you're also going to experience some pretty difficult things. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. In other words, remember last week we talked about, I'm putting you in the midst of wolves. Now, I really believe at this point in time, as Jesus is looking at the 12 and he's explaining what's happening, I think he sees in their eyes fear. When Jesus tells them what they're going to do and where they're going to do it and how they're going to do it, I think some of them are just... And Jesus notices that. So he pauses for a moment, and this is what he says to them and what he says to us. He says, guys, listen, don't be afraid. Now, I don't know if you're aware of this, but in just the next, in a little bit here, I'm going to read six verses, and I want you to count because in those six verses, three times, Three times in just those six verses, you're going to hear Jesus say to his disciples, don't be afraid. Don't be scared. Now, I don't know if you're aware of this, but in the Bible, there's over 365 times that Jesus tells his disciples, or tells all of us, I should say, don't be afraid. Sometimes in your version, it may say, fear not. Why would Jesus say that? Because we're afraid, right? But here's what I want you to understand. Jesus is not telling us that you shouldn't be scared. What he is telling us is that fear cannot rule your life. Fear is false evidence appearing real. And you know why Jesus doesn't want us to be afraid? There's two reasons. Number one is because he didn't give us a spirit of fear, right? He gave us one of power and one of might. But the second thing is this. The reason he doesn't want us to be afraid is because fear paralyzes us. And that's what Satan wants to do. He just wants to stop us in our tracks so that we'll stop doing what Jesus has called us to do. So why are we afraid? That's what we're gonna find out. Stand with me out of respect for God's word. I'm gonna read from Matthew chapter 10, and I'm going to read verses 26 through 31. But don't be afraid of those who threaten you, For the time is coming when everything that is covered will be revealed, and all that is secret will be made known to all. In other words, what Jesus is saying here is that don't be afraid of the the reasons that they're going to come up with to accuse you. And then he goes on and he says, what I tell you now in darkness, shout abroad when daybreak comes. What I whisper in your ear, shout from the housetops for all to hear. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God, who can destroy both soul and body in hell. What is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin? But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. This is God's word for God's people. Let's pray together. Father, you've commanded us in your word many, many times not to live our lives in fear. So help us father then to live in strength power and might and i pray this in jesus name amen you may be seated all right so i'm going to tell you a little bit about what we're going to do here i'm going to talk about three reasons why jesus tells us we shouldn't be afraid this is not just to the disciples This is to all of us here and everyone and anyone who's reading God's word. Now, I want you to understand that as Jesus begins to share these reasons with his disciples, this is kind of a huddle. It's kind of where Jesus gathers them together. He puts his arm around them, and this is the coach, and he's looking at each one of their eyes. And as he's looking in their eyes, as they're looking back at him and he's seeing fear, he is exuding great confidence back to them. In other words, you can do this. I've given you the skills and everything you need to accomplish the job. All you have to do is to step out in faith and trust me. Look in my eyes. Will you trust me? And so Jesus gives them three reasons why they shouldn't be afraid. Here's the first reason. God cares about things we don't notice. So Jesus tells us, you don't have to be afraid, and the reason, one of the reasons is because God cares about those things that we don't notice, okay? Here's the scripture verse that goes with it, look at this. What is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin, but not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. Now I know as you think about this, you're going, wow, how does that help? It's supposed to inspire me or to encourage me. Here's what Jesus is saying, and this is what they would have known. The sparrow was known as one of the humblest birds in the Bible. These birds were so cheap that someone who was poor could purchase them and use them for a sacrifice to the Lord when they couldn't afford a lamb, a bull, or a goat. Even Jesus' parents gave the the offering of a sparrow. That kind of tells you where where they were at financially. You could buy two sparrows for a penny. Now, when I would read this verse before, what I always thought it said was this, really simple, God knows and God sees when a sparrow falls to the ground. And that's true, God does see when a sparrow goes to the ground, but there's so much more here. Yes, God sees when a sparrow falls to the ground, but no sparrow can fall to the ground unless God wills it to fall. Sparrows are gonna fall, but unless the Father permits that to happen, or if he doesn't permit to happen, a sparrow will or will not fall to the ground. So this is what Jesus is saying to all of us when it comes to fear. Here's what he's saying. The reason you don't need to be afraid is because your Father in heaven pays attention to the things you don't even notice. Now there's two truths that we learn from this. Here's the first one. Sparrows do fall, right? This means yes, okay? we know. Sparrows are going to eventually fall to the ground. Here's what the Lord is telling us. At some point in time in your life, you're going to come into some type of suffering. And yes, even as a follower of Jesus. Because technically, the life of a believer is a life of suffering. So we're learning from this, from the Lord himself. There's going to be times when you're going to go through some difficult times, but he also tells us this. And just because you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that does not make you exempt from the suffering that happens in the world. Okay? Everybody straight on that one? Here's the second thing that we learn from this. The sparrows fall according to the Father's will. The sparrows fall according to the Father's will my friends, there is nothing that happens on the face of the earth that doesn't first get filtered through the Father's hands. God either causes it to happen or he allows it to happen, but there isn't anything that goes and happens on the face of the earth where that doesn't take place. So, whatever suffering you may go through, Whatever difficulty you're watching a loved one go through, you need to understand that that happened only because God allowed it to happen. Think about this. From the fall of a raindrop to the fall of an empire, all is under the providential control of the Father. So here's what the Lord is telling us. The reason you shouldn't be afraid is because everything that happens in your life, no matter how good or how bad it is, it's all part of your heavenly Father's plan. In other words, it doesn't matter what you're going through. God's promise is he will use it for good. Now, that should bring us comfort. I didn't say make it easy but it should bring us comfort because we know that what's happening does not happen by chance. It's part of a plan. Everybody with me so far? All right, let's go to the next one now. Here's the second thing that Jesus tells his disciples. God cares about the tiniest details of life. Here's the scripture verse. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So I did a little research on this, okay? Did you know that the average head, the average head has an average number of 100,000 strands of hair? Okay? Well, I went a little farther and I found out. If you're a blonde, that average goes up to 140,000. If you're a brunette, it's 105,000. And if you're a redhead, the average number of strands of hair, 90,000. Sorry. But here's what I also want you to know. Every day, no matter what you do, you lose 50 strands of hair. Some of you think, wow, I'm thinking, eight weeks from now, I'm I'm bald. No. Now, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever asked yourself this question? I wonder how Strand 55,234 is doing. (laughs) Of course you have never asked yourself that question, right? You don't know and you don't care. God does. God loves you so much that every hair on your head is numbered. God loves you so much that He knows how every hair on your head is doing. In my family, with all of my kids and grandkids, I figured there's about 1.1 million strands of hair. You know what gives me comfort? My God knows every strand. And every head in my family, and he cares about each and every one of them. God is telling us, not only do I care about the things you don't notice, I care about the tiniest details in your life. Look at this. If God cares for things that matter so little then he cares for the things that matter much more. If God knows each strand of hair individually, he knows each of us individually as well. So I started thinking about that a little bit, and I started thinking, okay, in something that happens in our life, what kind of detail does God play to that? In other words, let's look at the life of Joseph. Joseph is a pretty complicated life. How did God get Joseph to where he needed to get him so he could eventually be the leader of God's people? Well, I thought we'd ask some questions and find out just to make you think a little bit. Here's the first one. Why did Jacob want to send Joseph to find his brothers? Why didn't he send Benjamin? Or how about this one? Why were Joseph's brothers on this particular day, why were they grazing their sheep in a different location? about this? Why did the Ishmaelites come along at that particular moment? Why were they in the mood to purchase a slave? Or how about this? Why were they going to Egypt and not some other destination? Or how about this? Why did Potiphar purchase Joseph and not somebody else? Or how about this? Why did his wife have plans for Joseph? Or why were the baker and the cupbearer in the prison when Joseph was there? Or why couldn't Pharaoh remember his dream? Or why did the cupbearer at first forget Joseph and then later remember him? Now, when you think about all of those questions, here's what I want you to know. None of those things happen by chance. It all happened according to God's plan. He orchestrated everything. And the same reason for you being here today, you're not here just because your mom or someone dragged you here. You're here because God planned it since the beginning of time that on this day, at this moment, you would be in this place, sitting exactly in the place that you're sitting. Now, here's what I want you to know. Here's what I think Jesus is telling us. Take a moment and notice the small things in life. Yes, God is a God of the big. He's a God of the large. Oh, but he's also a God of the small. And so you know what? It's important that we do pray for those big things, those large things that are going in our life. But I think God also wants us to know, don't forget to pray about the small details in your life. And that's good to know because he cares and he knows all about them. Here's the third thing that Jesus teaches them. God cares about us even when trouble comes. Here's the scripture verse. So don't be afraid, you are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. And my friends, this is where the rubber meets the road. God is telling his disciples, he's saying, fellas, look right here. Even the sparrows, God knows when they fall to the ground. And you are so much more valuable than those sparrows. How do we know that? Because Jesus didn't die for the sparrows. He died for you and me. So here the Father gives the disciples three reasons why they shouldn't be afraid. I notice the things that you don't notice. I care about the tiniest details of your life. And you know what? Even when you go through trials and suffering, I am gonna be with you. So here's what Jesus says right in your face. There's gonna be times when you're going through difficult times. There's gonna be times when you're watching other people go through difficult things. It's gonna be hard, but here's what I want you to know. It's a part of the plan, and I'm never gonna leave you. Now, I wanna teach you something about suffering, okay? And maybe this will help you understand where you are or where you've been and where we need to be. Because here's what the Lord or what we learn about suffering as we live this life on earth. And it goes something like this. When you go through difficult times, in fact, I'm going to read this just to make sure I get it right, okay? I don't want to mess this up. If you build your life on things, okay, in other words, anything that is of this earth, that could be your children that could be your car, whatever it is. If you build your life on things, suffering will always pull you away from your source of joy. Think about that. If you build your life on things, suffering will always pull you away from your source of joy. That's why when you hear people say, why is this happening to me? I don't understand, why is this happening to me? then you need to ask so where is your source of joy the other side of it is this but if you build your life on god suffering will drive you into and deeper into a relationship with him i want you to think about that for a moment so if my focus is on things and i'm going through suffering you know what those things are gonna go away. And what do I do? I get angry, and I question God, why me? But if my source of joy is in God, it doesn't remove the pain, but I understand that this happens for a reason, and what does it cause me to do? Not run away from God, but run to him, because I know he's the one, the source of what it is that's taking place, right? And so as believers, when you're going through the hard times, when you're going through the suffering, when you don't understand, check your source of joy. Because here's what I want you to remember. It won't take the pain away. But it will give you a reason to keep on believing. TJ told a little bit of the story that I would be gonna finish with. What we're gonna do is we're we're gonna close our service by singing this very old film. I know that in 1871, and a lot of you probably know, in 1871, you've heard of the Chicago Fire. In this fire, there were hundreds of people that lost their lives but it is estimated that 100,000 people were homeless after that fire there was a very prominent lawyer by the name of Horatio Spafford he lost half of his fortune what he did after the fire was is he joined his resources with a lot of people around there and they went from home to home and started rebuilding homes And pretty soon after a while, homes started going up. They were rebuilt, and he was even able to to recapture and and bring back his his own half of his fortune that he had lost. When it was all said and done, he thought it was a little time for R&R. And so he came up to his wife, Anna and he said, let's do this. Let's take the girls and let's go across the ocean on a luxury liner and let's go to a crusade. And so the next day, he went down and he bought tickets on this luxury liner to take his family to this crusade. On the day when they're going to board the boat, you know what happens? Somebody calls Horatio and says, we've got a problem. There's some unfinished business, and we need you to come back to the office. So Horatio said to his wife, Anna, take the girls, go ahead, go across, and I'll catch the next boat. On November 21st, There was another ship that rammed into this luxury liner, and they say that the luxury liner sank in 12 minutes. Hundreds of people lost their lives, but there were 47 of them who were rescued. One of those who was rescued was Anna Spafford, the wife of Horatio Spafford. All four of the girls drowned. Anna was taken on a rescue ship the rest of the way to Wales. When she got to Wales, she cabled back to America, to her husband, two words, saved, alone. In the frigid waters, she found a piece of wreckage to hold on to, and she was saved. A broken-hearted brokenhearted Horatio Spafford going through some horrible suffering, a broken-hearted man the next day boarded the ship to go and get his wife. After a day of travel, they got to the area where that ship had gone down. The captain, who knew Horatio, called him up to his, up to his cabin, and he said to me, he said, Horatio, listen, he said, in just a few minutes we're going to go over, we're going to sail over the exact spot where the ship went down, where your four girls drowned. Horatio Spafford went back to his cabin and he penned a poem, and that poem is the song that we're about to sing. I wish I could tell you that life is going to be a piece of cake. I wish I could tell you that there are no more trials or suffering that you're going to have to go through, but I can't say that. In fact, I can probably say the opposite. You're going to go through some difficult times. There's some suffering still ahead of you. But I want you to know that even in that suffering, there's hope. And that's why Horatio wrote this hymn. I'm going to ask if you would please stand. And we're going to sing two verses. And then I'm going to come in and I'm going to share with you a little bit of the story about the rest of them. And then we're going to finish the last one. And I want you to know is that you may be singing through tears. You may be going through some difficult and suffering times right now. But as Jesus said to his disciples and he's saying to us now, I want you to know that there's hope. No, the pain probably won't go away, but in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the suffering, you will know that I have a plan. Let's sing this together. point in time the story goes on that his spirit horatio's spirit began to change a little bit he understood that there is suffering in life he didn't understand and he was heartbroken for what he was going through but he had a hope and what he began to do is he wrote this last verse he began to think about that hope and what was that hope that there would be a reunion someday That one day, because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, he would see his four little girls again. And through the tears, with a smile, he knew that it was going to happen. And that's what I want to say to you this morning. There may be trials, there may be suffering, and it doesn't take the pain away, but we do have a hope. We will see and be reunited again. So let's sing this last verse through
1: the tears. Here we go.
0: Our service by giving you that strength that you need to leave. And remember, at the end of the huddle, everybody puts their hands in, don't they? And they always have this saying that they have that they are sent off out onto the playing floor with or the field. And the Lord Jesus Christ is the same thing for us as we go out into the world. And here's what he says The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace and his strength. You need not be afraid, for God is with you. God bless you. I love you. We'll see you next week.